You know, everything on the mountain looks different. When you go up on a, a mountain, your view changes. Think about it with me for just a moment. What was once an ordinary field of wheat that you found yourself just sort of standing in, when you get up on the mountain, that same ordinary field of wheat all of a sudden changes. It becomes so much more. That ordinary field becomes just a beautiful single patch in this greater quilt that spreads out across the land. When you go up on the mountain, you, you, you start to see that things that were once common, like a stream that you spent some time fishing in, all of a sudden become something out of the ordinary. That stream then becomes this glittering ribbon of water that is carving its way from horizon to horizon as far as you can see. What also once seemed like just an ordinary stand of trees, a grove of trees in which you stood that sort of overshadowed you, on the mountain you look down and it becomes this expansive forest lawn that looks like this green carpet that has just sort of been rolled out in front of you, something that you could just step out and just start to walk across from the mountain view. You see, when you get up on the mountain, the reality is, is that which was once seemed sort of ordinary, oftentimes becomes so much more than that. So, as I think about that, is it any wonder that when Jesus wanted to elevate his disciples, his followers' view, when he wanted to elevate their view of what it looked like to, to follow him and what it looked like to be uh, the children of God, is it any wonder that he would take them up on the mountain? On the mountain, he's going to show them something different than what is ordinary. It's on the mountain that he spoke those words that we call the Sermon on the Mount. Those words that he speaks in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and Matthew chapter 7. And it's in these words, metaphorically speaking, as it were, that, that Jesus is looking down at his disciples. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to call all, call all who would follow him up out of these ordinary valleys. Up out of these ordinary valleys of life up out of these ordinary ways of thinking, to come up and, and join him there and to look out and see something beyond the ordinary. To see life and get a glimpse of life that is so much more than what they normally see. This morning we begin a new series. It's titled Summer on the mount, life beyond the ordinary. And in this series, as we go through it over the next several weeks, we want you to see and we want you to hear Jesus standing in this mountain pulpit. And as he stands in this mountain pulpit, he's going to do two very important things. 
First of all, he's going to shatter. He's going to shatter the spiritual worldview of all of the religious leaders of the day. He's going to shatter their traditionalism. He's going to shatter their way of thinking and taking pride in themselves. He's going to shatter their view about just how important they are because of what they do. As he speaks, he's going to shatter those thoughts and those ways of seeing life, and he's going to leave them in pieces by the time he's through with this Sermon on the Mount. We'll get there and we'll see that as the weeks go by. But it's in this moment, this this mountainside moment, that Jesus is also going to do some refining. He's going to look at and speak to his own disciples, and he's going to start refining down their view. Yeah, they have a way of seeing life with Jesus, but he's hoping to get them to see in ways that are different than the valley. He's hoping to call them up and out to see and to embrace something that is beyond ordinary, a view that only Jesus has of this world, a view of what it looks like to walk and to follow God in life. It's the beyond ordinary view of life. And that's what Jesus is going to be doing throughout these next several weeks and throughout this sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. But as I begin this morning, I begin with chapter 5. And as you look at the opening statements and the opening uh, 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 thoughts that Jesus is throwing out there, it makes me think about this. As I think about humanity, that I think about people, that it seems like people are always out there and they're pursuing and they're working and they're even scheming as to ways that which they might be able to have what they call, what the world calls the best life possible. You know what I'm talking about. You know all those things that we in the world thinks is so important that makes life so good. And, and, and as they do, and as they seek the best life possible, that's really very ordinary, in fact. But what Jesus is doing in this sermon, in these opening statements, he wants his followers then, and he wants his followers now to understand something very important, to understand this, what the world is out there pursuing, and they call the best life, is not what he wants his disciples to be pursuing. He doesn't want us who follow him to be out there pursuing the best life. What he wants us to do is to be out there pursuing the blessed life. It's a different life, and it's beyond the ordinary. And so Jesus begins to speak. And as he speaks, what we have to understand is he's addressing what I consider to be ordinary. You know, it's ordinary for people to feed their egos, right? It's ordinary for people to inflate their self-importance and place themselves out in front of everyone else in life. That's something really common, really ordinary in our world today as we walk from day to day. But when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he is calling his followers, as he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, he's asking them and calling them to look at life beyond the ordinary, not like people usually look at it, but he's asking them and he's asking us to see life differently, where we don't measure ourselves against ourselves, that we don't build ourselves up by looking at ourselves. But what we do is, is that we actually place ourselves and we measure ourselves against the glory of God. That we take the moment and we take the time to put ourselves into the very glory of God. That we see his unsurpassing majesty. We see his unsurpassing uh, might. We see his unsurpassed uh, perfection. And as we see that, that view of God versus us all of a sudden becomes a powerful yardstick in our life that begins to start pushing out all of our bragging and all of our boasting in ourselves. And as a result, what it does is it leaves us empty. It leaves us empty of self. Now, here's what happens. It's at that point when we become empty of self, so empty of, of self like, like Job understood as he, as he encountered God, as he placed himself and God spoke to him about God's glory versus who Job actually was. It's an emptying of self where we say, behold, I am insignificant. But at that moment of insignificance, what happens is our king walks into our lives and he then tells us just how great we actually are. As those who belong to the kingdom of heaven, he wants us to understand that we're great in the fact that we are God's chosen people. It's there that you understand that we're a royal priesthood and a holy nation and a people for God's own possession. Out of everyone else in the world, you are the ones that God chose. And when we see that, that becomes the blessed life for us. It's ordinary for people to refuse to admit their wrongs. You, I, 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 I'm not looking, but I can see some wives elbowing some husbands right now. It's ordinary for us to not admit in our world, just think of it and what you see in the news and, and you read about. It, it's ordinary for people not to admit the crimes that they do. It's ordinary for us to hide our weaknesses and, and not let people see who we really are. But when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You see, he's calling us to a beyond the ordinary life. It's a life where we just continually have or we continually open and place ourselves in the light of his holiness. And like the light of his gloriness, the light of his holiness starts to show up every fault in my life. As I stand in that light, it shows up my every weakness and it shows up my every crime against God and, and, and against man. When I stand in his purity, when I stand in the light of his perfection, all of a sudden my failings are obvious. I'm, I'm laid wide open and I see. 
who I am. And it causes, I believe, a spirit to well up within me that never goes away. It's a spirit that always seeing who I am in this way says, I am so sorry, Father. I'm so sorry for what I've done to you and what I've done to others. But again, it's in that moment of mourning our sin. It's in that moment of mourning that our king comes in and what he does, he says, here, let me wrap you in my blanket of comfort. It's a blanket of the comfort that comes from knowing that he forgives us every sin and he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Yes, mourn your sin, but then rejoice and find comfort in that blanket of knowing that as we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all of unrighteousness. And when we see that, and when we take that to heart, we're experiencing the blessed life. It's ordinary for people to not tolerate pretty much to any degree. To tolerate it when they feel like they're being disrespected. When they feel like they're taken advantage of. Or maybe they're not given everything that they deserve. That's, that's pretty ordinary in our world today. But when Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. He's calling us as disciples to take a different slant, to see that, that there's life beyond the ordinary, where instead of being indignant when we don't get what we deserve, and being indignant when we don't get what we believe we are owed, instead of being those indignant people, we become those people who actually live in the strength of Christ's meekness. And here's what I mean, and Peter talks about it, that we're people that find meekness as something strong. To be able, like Jesus, even though he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And while suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. That's the strength of meekness. It looks not itself, but it continues to look at God. And in the strength of that meekness... And as we live there, it, it, it's, a, it's a strength that doesn't bite back when people bite and snip at us. It, it doesn't seek to get even with those people. And it doesn't seek vengeance every time that we feel like that we've been wrong. And when that spirit, that strength of meekness takes over our lives, it's at that point that Jesus says, Congratulations, you have inherited the earth. And, and, and here's what I think he's meaning as he's, he's, he's saying that, is that we gain the one thing that everyone who lives in the valley can never ever gain. We get the one thing that those people who see life through ordinary eyes never really have, and that is contentment. It's the contentment of God. It's the contentment of knowing and understanding, as we even sang this morning, Josh, that our king owns this earth. 
That he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And he's the one that rules this earth. And he's the one who gives to those who love him and have faith in him everything they need. Whether it is physical or whether it is spiritual. And when we see that, when we see that we've inherited the earth in that way. We're going to live the blessed life. The blessed life. Beyond the ordinary. Well, speaking of ordinary, it's ordinary for people to have these appetites, these seemingly unquenchable appetites for power and wealth and fame and security. And and the thing is, is that they hunger and they thirst for those things and they desire those things, but they realize that they never fully get it that they never fully get filled up with those things, that they're never satisfied. But as Jesus looks at his disciples, and he looks at us today, and he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. He's calling us again to a life beyond the ordinary, where we desire, where we, know, where we crave something that is richer than what the world has to offer. Something that is sweeter and something that is more satisfying to our souls. We crave that which is our appetite for righteousness. You see, there is no greater appetite, there is no greater uh, craving for the man and the woman of God than to stand in the presence of God with full confidence that we have been freed from all of our shame and we have been freed from all of our guilt and we stand in the presence of our God fully, holy, blameless, and righteous in His sight. That's what we hunger and that's what we crave. And when we put our faith In Jesus Christ, that sweetness and that richness and that satisfaction of God all of a sudden comes in and it satisfies our souls knowing that by grace, through faith in Jesus alone, God gives us the righteousness of our King. That is the blessed life. Again, it's ordinary for people to be callous and sensitive, cruel even, and, and even at some times completely merciless. But you see, other than ordinary, what Jesus is saying, when he says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. When he says these words, he, he, he's helping us to see and understand that our hearts can be different. That when we allow him to reshape and reform our hearts, then we become those who will automatically start displaying Christ toward others in the way that brings glory to God, in a way that's so very different than this world. Where we are those who show and demonstrate unfailing kindness to those around us. That we share unfailing gentleness to those who, who may treat us harshly. And when we show unfailing forgiveness even to those that this world would say never deserve an ounce of mercy. But we who are living and respect, reflecting the spirit of mercy, the spirit of our King, 
When we do that, and as we do that, the confidence that we have that Jesus says is that he is pouring out all of his tender mercies into our lives as well. Don't you see? That's the blessed life. That's the blessed life in Jesus. It's ordinary. It's ordinary for people to one degree or another to be dishonest and deceitful and have all kinds of false motives with which they interact with other people. But again, as Jesus says, blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. You see, he's calling us, he's calling you and me to a life beyond the ordinary where we seek only to bless and never betray. We seek only to bless and never betray those who put their trust in us. They can understand and they can trust that when they interact with us that they are going to find people of honesty and they're going to find people of goodness and integrity. And see what he says happens here is as a result, as we're those type of people pure in heart, in our actions and reactions to people around us, all of a sudden we can understand that we are the ones who see God. That we, we, we don't, we, we haven't uh, um, changed his image. That we haven't distorted who God is. That we are the ones who see God clearly. That God is full of honesty. That God is full of integrity. And that God is full of goodness. And then as we see that, we start, as his disciples, we start acting upon that foundation. As we see and know who our God is, we begin to interact with others in exactly the same way. Pure in heart. And that's the blessed life. It is ordinary. For people in every layer of our society, think about this and just think about what you've heard on the news or seen on television or read in something lately. How people across every layer of culture and across the globe are finding themselves at one level or another caught in disunity. There's a spirit of hatred to hate and being hated. There is in their lives even acts of violence. And, and as you think about those things, that lack or that disregard for peace, understand this, that that spirit that disregards peace is a spirit that shakes a fist in the very face of God who created and gave us the greatest peace of all at the price of his son. So as Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit the or Blessed are the peacemakers for... Um, for they shall be called sons of God. Sons of God. You see, when we see the peace of God, when we 
see how we are to live our lives. We see this beyond the ordinary view where we make peace our path. We, we don't make peace one of our paths. Or just one of the ways that we deal with people. We make it the path by which we deal with others. It's that point in which we do good, as Jesus says, to those who hate us. And we bless those who curse us. And we pray for those who mistreat us. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 27. And when we do, when we're those peacemakers, what happens is, is we're reflecting our Father. We're reflecting the peacemaker, our God. And when we reflect in that way, here's what he says. He says, hey, I see that you are my child by your spirit of peace. That's the blessed life. Finally, this morning, it's ordinary. It's ordinary for people to both promote and defend their own views. Everyone has a view out there in the world today of what's right and what's true. And, and what I find and what you can see is that those people are oftentimes so easily uh, offended and they become incensed by anyone who would question what they think or what they see. Or would disagree with their sense of truth and righteousness. And, and, and they get so incensed, even to the point that they may cast insults at others. Or they may even become violent toward them. But again this morning, as Jesus says, blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, Jesus is placing before his disciples in those moments of persecution and, and the reality that at some point and some time, as we stand for the righteousness of God, as we present and as we promote the righteousness of God, the truth and the goodness of God in our world today, that will bring a measure of conflict and maybe even persecution into our lives. But you see, the good news is that as Jesus calls us, he calls us to a life beyond ordinary, a life that doesn't react to that persecution, but a life that endures, that endures, that endures. And we do it not for the reasons of this world, but we do it for the sake of righteousness in the name of Jesus Christ. And while we might lose all of our earthly possessions as we do, and maybe we'll even lose all of our earthly pleasures, even though that might happen, the reality is, as he says, we have greater joy. We have the joy of knowing that we belong to the kingdom of heaven. We belong to the kingdom where ours is grace. 
where God gives us all of his salvation and all of his true peace, not only in this life, but in the life to come. You see, when we see that and we embrace that spirit of endurance, it is the blessed life. Well, I want you to know something. I drew the short straw, Chris. I see you back there laughing away. On this sermon, I drew the short straw. I'm the one who drew the straw that said, okay, Monty, we want you to introduce the whole series, and then we just want you to cover the Beatitudes while you're at it. And it's been challenging. And I know that, that I've gone too fast, and I know that I haven't gone deep enough, and I know I haven't surfaced all the great truths that are here, but let me tell you this. As I worked on this lesson this week, it showed me something about myself. It showed me that I spend too much time in the valley. I see my life sometimes through just an ordinary view. When all along, my Jesus is saying to me, come up. Monty, come up. <laughs> Just come up out of that beyond the ordinary view and see the blessed life I have for you. Maybe you this morning too. As I was talking, as I was hurriedly trying to get through that rich material, those truths... Maybe you spotted yourself. Maybe you saw yourself somewhere in that valley of the ordinary. Maybe you saw too much pride. Or maybe too much ego. Not enough hunger for righteousness in your life. Not enough mercy towards others. Not enough purity or not enough peace, or not even enough um, security in the face of per persecution. Maybe you saw yourself like I saw myself. And the message of Jesus to you is the same as it was to me. Come up. Come up out of the ordinary. Come into the beyond the ordinary life of God in Jesus, come up and live the blessed life. This morning, I hope that you have made the very first step into the blessed life, the step of honoring your Lord as your Savior, putting Him on in baptism, allowing Him to cleanse you of all your sins so that you could become actually His child, a, key, a person in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, today and forever. Maybe today is the time you make your first step out of the ordinary into the blessed life of Jesus while we stand and while we sing.